Hi, I'm Thomas Cross Hoops, and I'm a seeker of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In my pursuit of truth, truth found me, and now I can't stop following him. Join me and my guests as we pursue truth together. All right, Pastor Joel, again, I think you are on episode five. You are my first returning guest. How are you doing, sir? Awesome. It's so great to be here, Thomas. Always a pleasure. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about what can I ask him? What can we talk about? But honestly, I'd love for you to share about the um, series you started today and where oh. that came from and where you're yeah. going with it, because I really feel like it connects to a lot of the things the Lord's been speaking to me about, and it was it was really well done, and I loved the the um, Captain America shield at the end, so uh, they'll yes. have to check it out. We'll link it on, uh, on the webpage yes. later. Yes. Yeah, it, it started really in response to... It started in response to an idea, which was how do we approach life if we didn't have the knowledge of good or evil? Mm. Like if let's just go and say we never ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. Like and we actually never gained the ability to discern, you know, this good or evil right from wrong. Like how would we still approach the universe correctly? Mm if we didn't have the ability to, to discern good or evil. And I remember, I remember just thinking about this. I was like, and in my own personal life, like God has done a real number on me in, in helping me see things beyond the condemnation of my failures, beyond the condemnation, like that the law provides, right? That like the law actually exposed to us, our sin. Like, you know, like I, I, I kind of felt like, all right, so if the law's like in, in in essence fulfilled in Christ, how do we still correctly ap- apply the right or wrong use of something in creation? If mm. if the law's been fulfilled, you know, if we never ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, like how do we approach God's creation correctly? Mm. And it just hit me. I was like, purpose. There is a correct purpose for everything made, regardless mm. if the presence of the law was there or not, regardless if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was ever consumed or not. Like, I believed it was God's plan to mentor mm. Adam and Eve and all of humanity into using the resources of creation correctly aligned with their purpose based on the imagination or the design of the designer. And so it's come, it's come to it's come to help remove a lot of condemnation in, in my approach to things like, okay, you know, um, like sex, like, okay, if somebody f- sins sexually, like, you know, we confess our sins, like it is still a sin, but what is like, how do we, how do we approach sex without just good or bad, without mm-hmm. just like, uh, like pass or fail without just like looking at it from the law perspective, like how do we approach sex? Well, like we must seek the divine purposes of sex. We must seek the divine purposes of marriage. We must seek the divine purposes of community. We must seek the divine purposes of food, the divine purposes of time. Like there's actually a divine purpose beneath everything that God's created. And it's in him to like, we have to seek him to find it. And so it just hit me. I was like, there's, there's divine purpose everywhere. And I feel like understanding God's divine purposes for things will help us. And I'll, I'll finish with this just thought here. Like, it, it really it really drove home for me 
when I realized, I asked God, God, what is the divine purpose for masculinity? Mm. What is the divine purpose for femininity? Like, and, you know, this thing with a lot of people are starting to, uh, you know, identify themselves as a, you know, something on a gender spectrum. But like God defines gender, male and female, man and woman, and that's it, right? So it's like, God, what was the divine purpose mm. of masculine energy? What was the divine purpose of feminine energy? And then it just kind of, oh my gosh, there's a divine purpose for everything. You know, there's a divine purpose for marriage. There's a divine purpose for sex. There's a divine purpose for food. There's a divine purpose for conversations. There's a divine purpose for podcast platforms, you know? Like, what is the divine purposes? And God, would you please reveal them to us? And so today was like the start of, of exploring that together. Which was, I like the the common theme was, you know, that, that woman was like the shield for the man, which oh, I thought was awesome. But what, yes. what was the, there was three points you thought you'd get to and you only got yes. to the first one. What yes. were those? And then people can so, go listen. Um, I have this Captain America. Can I turn my camera real quick? And yeah, see if I can? man. So I have this in my office. Okay. Oh, man. shield right there, you know, this little backdrop. Um, and so. Oof, man. So then today we were talking, you know, I kind of laid just now, just explained to you the foundation of the divine purposes. But today we talked about like God's divine purposes for marriage. Mm. And I've just been like, I've read articles about this. I had searched the internet about this and I liked some of the stuff I read. I like, I kind of agreed with most of it, disagreed with some of it, but God just kept giving me three divine purposes for marriage. There's a lot of them. There's more than just three. Mm -hmm. The three that he gave me was protection passion and procreation mm. and when he was talking about protection like the first thing i thought about was like okay you know man protecting the woman mm. you know us protecting each other and then i just kind of just started reading in genesis and i just started like just really meditating on it sitting in it letting it speak to me and i went to the hebrew and that hebrew uh like the hebrew wording beneath it uh it, it mentions the the, the word helpmate is the word Ezer or Ezer, E-Z-E-R, Ezer, Ezer. And this word Ezer is actually the root word. Um, it's the word help, but is the root word when, when put together, it's actually the root word of the Lord is my shield. Mm. Like this is the shield thing. And so it just hit me like, oh my gosh. And so when you read it like in the book of Deuteronomy where it says like the Lord is our shield, you know, you read the book of Psalms, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Um, that word shield, the root word is the word that God named for helpmate. And so it was actually something that we declare, um, the Israelites would declare in times of battle where like the Lord is my shield. And it hit me like, oh my gosh, like, like God deemed it. It was like not wonderfully good. It wasn't wildly good. Um, it was not wildly good until Adam received his shield. And it was the first time I was able to really look at like, my wife is actually my shield. Mm. And so like, you know, typically in our kind of modern approach to this, like the man is the shield, the man is the protection. Yeah. And, and yes, that's true. That's not, that's not untrue, but it hit me like, oh my gosh, Brianna, my wife has shielded me more times probably than I've shielded her. Mm. Like she has been my rear guard. She has called out my blind spots more, 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 you know what I mean? And protected me. And it just hit me. It was like the first of the divine purposes of marriage is of co of course it's protection. Yeah, of course it is. You know, it's protection against like, um, you know, the onslaught of the enemy. You know, from a spiritual perspective, it's protection against, you know, uh, being forgetful of our identity. Right. Sometimes we forget our value and our identity. And my wife has protected me 
from me believing lies about myself. Mm. You know, so she is my shield. That's powerful. She is my shield. In fact, the whole goal is not to fight with each other, but to fight for each other. Yeah. As each other's shield. And that, yeah, that's so true. We're, it's like we're learning as we go to, you know, it's not us against the world, it's us for the world. It's, um, there's some of these concepts I always, you know, the book inside of me, concept to reality that I, you know, I've got notebooks about these, yes. these concepts that I love to think about, you know, how to prefer one another, to honor one another. We can't just say these things. We have to, you know, do it. And I love that, you know, Rest in Place Carewood, there's things that we want to do and things that we're building towards, but the reality is the community that we've established with people yeah. genuinely caring about each other, helping each other, yes. you know, physically, financially, um, emotionally, spiritually. It's beautiful because, you know, for since me and you first met, you know, back when I came back from the, the missions field and I was living with Bobby for a while, you know, that the Lord spoke to me about community and family and family is the answer to the world's problems. And I always knew like we're all a priest and a king and all these things were concepts, but to learn for us to do that, like what does marriage look like? Well, out of marriage, you have a family. There's a reason yes. for procreation and out of the family. Yes. I always think about the big picture things. Like if the world comes to an end, if the turmoil happens, if America gets under siege, you know, who are you going to weary with? Right. It's not, we're not going to go travel together to the church. It's your, your family and your home. If you have teenage kids, probably their girlfriends are going to be over, their friends, the people yeah. in your neighborhood, the people that you've built a community with. And, and we're doing that with church, but I'm talking now yeah. in our physical lives, we should be doing that with our neighborhood, with our neighbors. Like in my neighbors, I love them. We have two or three neighbors that we just, you know, watch out for each other and, yeah. you know, watch either, each other's animals. And, you know, we're building that sense of community when we're out of town. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, we rely on each other. We, we cook for yeah. each other. We enjoy one another. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's what we're doing as a church as well. And I think yeah. it's something that as we're growing in it and it's happening naturally and organically, we're going to start to see those things. Oh, this is what community gets, looks like. This is how we meet the needs of the world. And we expand right. outward as we grow inwardly one unit. You know, we're unified in, in one purpose. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. I love what yeah. we're doing. And, you know, the Bible says that um, it was talking about the, the church in the book of Acts. Not it says sure. that they sold what they, they sold what they had. I can cut this uh, out. Can you hear me? Hello. I lost you there. No. Speaking of marriage and community and family, how is it going being a working full-time job, full-time pastor, full-time husband, full-time father? How is that going for you? Man, um... I didn't tell you what I was going to ask you. <laughs> no, that's that's a good question. Um, so for for a little for about six months, I was working two full time jobs, plus pastoring the church, plus being married and having three children, seven and under. Right. Um, well, at the time, Zion was still six, so four, five, and six. And so my plate was definitely full, um, yeah. and it it got to a point where I was realizing that, you know, we were doing a lot of great things financially. Like we were, uh, we were able to pay off all of our credit card debt. Uh, we were making, you know, headway into our savings. Uh, we ended up giving away something like $10,000 to people, um, in, in about, in about, a, you know, six month span. So we just gave away uh, a good amount of money as well. And so 
we were doing all these great things financially, but I was finding that I wasn't present in my life. I wasn't present in my life. My people from my church, like I just wasn't spending enough time with people of my church, and I wasn't spending enough time with my family, with my kids, and it came to a head where Brianna and I, for our ten-year anniversary, the longest amount of time we had ever spent apart from the kids since we had children in these last seven years was only two days. Mm. And in our ten-year anniversary recently, uh, at the end of March, uh, we actually were able to get away for four days apart from the kids. And this was the first time that we were able to sit in a room and have some quiet for the first time in a really long time. <laughs> yeah, a really long time. You know, because we're in that we're in that we're in that season with little kids with you know with video games and mommy, I need some food and daddy, I'm thirsty and you know, like all this stuff. Like we're in this really busy season. And I just remember I got to sit in a room and just enjoy some quiet with my wife. And I, and it was like, I don't have enough of this in my normal life. Mm -hmm. So that week I quit my second job immediately. I just quit my second job. I said, okay, we haven't meet, met all of our financial goals that we originally set out for to do this, but I can't do this anymore. So I quit my second job and then I began to notice that I have a little bit more time now to play some games with the kids. I have a little bit more time now to sit and actually have a cup of coffee with my wife. I have a little bit more time now to go on podcasts with some friends. I have a little bit more time now to pray for people over the phone from my church and not feel like I'm giving the crumbs of myself mm. to the things that actually matter. Yeah. And that, that you know, you asked me how's like life and family. I'm, I'm still... Uh, working through this, but I'm trying to find how can I give my freshest version of myself to the things that matter mm -hmm. and be better at dismissing the things that don't. And so, um, it's a process, but yeah. it's going well. you still, you know, you're growing your, you know, job skills and leadership skills and management skills. And you have a desire to produce for the kingdom and to grow yes. a business and to do yes. great things that require funds. So, you know, God says, if you're faithful with a little and, and that's what you're doing, you're doing yes. the right things. And so, yeah, you, you, you know, that, that's something I've always struggled with was, um, you know, tent making. And for me, I, you know, went on the missions field, did Bible schools, gave my whole life to God. And at the same time, that was its own learning to live by faith <laughs> and learning, you know, it was great. But when I came back and I really wasn't in the best of places and then slowly learning to work and provide and you go from relying on God to relying on yourself and then, you know, eventually get a more professional job and that can provide for the family and the kids and learning like, okay, now that's not my priority. I need to make money. I need to provide for the family. I'm a great employee for my company, but my goal is to, grow in being a better father and husband and to yes. do the works of the kingdom that we can get involved in our local community and do the outreaches, the food, you know, ministry yes. with the feeding the homeless or going yes. on prayer walks in the city, like all the things that you can do when you're living by faith and on the missions field, yes. you can still do it when you have a job. And that was something it's not, it's not easy. And it's, it, for me being black and white, it wasn't something I was good at, yeah. but in this season, I think I'm, learning like you know what your life like god put you somewhere for a reason obviously we have to provide the bills and pay for the family and yeah. you know we have to work and i'm 
thankful that he's provided a sales job where, you know, you don't make the money based on your hourly, you make the money based on your exponential increase of, of your sales. And so that's a good thing. But I need to learn to do it for the kingdom and not for myself and not be stressed oh. if I'm having a bad month because, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's yeah. all the same. God, you know, my priority isn't work anymore. It's growing my family, growing in my community. Yeah. And, you know, lo I love this podcast because I'm able to have, you know, pastors and friends. And um, I just had a neat conversation I told you about with Kevin Bennett from the uh, he was in AGT. Yeah. It's going to come out episode 11 and you're going to be episode 12. And I'm not kidding. I got a list of books. And Kevin, you're going to hear this podcast. You are a brilliant mind. He's a truth teller. He's still on his journey with the Lord. He's still, you know, growing in intimacy. But I'll tell you what, I didn't even know some of these guys. Um, I guess George McDonald was a influence on C.S. Lewis. But he just gave me a list of books, and he's breaking down the C.S. Lewis stuff. And, I mean, he's only four or five years younger than me, so he's like 35, 36. And I'm like, man, my brain used to be that sharp. But it was just nice to talk to someone. Yes. I met him through social media. I follow him. I saw him on America's Got Talent. And to have a real conversation, and he is talking about the, you know, the revelation and the battle. And, you know, yeah. like we are in this war with the unseen realm, and yeah. truth is truth no matter what. And just... I loved how he was, and I'm like, you know what? I'm learning just by having these conversations, and there's some, I love reading, and so I got a list of books I want to read, and so yeah. I don't get to rub elbows and have coffee with him like I do with you, but um, it's the same thing. We we challenge yeah. each other. I'm encouraged by you telling me a book you liked or something that encouraged you, and, and I get to, you know, walk with that, and it's nice to, to build yeah. a relationship in a, in a community. And, and I'm glad you're talking about books, too, because I'm reading a book right now uh, called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Mm. And the first the first law of leadership is the law of the lid. So I've only gotten through the first three of 21. So I, don't ask me what <laughs> law number four is yet, you know. I'll let you know soon. But the first three, I really like the first one. But the first, I'll kind of like cover the first three here real quick if you don't mind. The first one is the law of the lid. And the law of the lid is that if you are in a place or a position or if you are the leader of a thing, you are the cap. Hmm. You are the lid. And he, he went into the story about like McDonald's and how McDonald's, the company McDonald's had the original founders, the McDonald's brothers, and then this other founder that come in, this third person that, you know, the, the original like brothers, the founders of McDonald's, like they... They did a good job with getting it to be like a multi-site restaurant. They did a good proof of concept, but they didn't take it to the conglomerate or build out the framework for the conglomerate that well, McDonald's is today. Mm. Um, it took another person to do that. Yeah. It took another leader to lift the lid. Yeah. And so as, as leaders, like one of the things that I'm finding, and this has been really my personal vendetta right now, like my personal objective is to grow as a leader mm. uh, I have a team of people of about 20 people that I lead at work and then I have a team at church that I lead and so like I owe it to both my professional life and my ministry life to be the best possible leader that yeah. I can be like I owe it to these people because they're giving me the most valuable thing they can give me which is their time mm. there's nothing more valuable than time time is infinitely more valuable than money yeah. And people are giving me their time and their energy. Like energy is is so scarce. You know, like we are we are 
so tired all the time. Like yeah. social media is exhausting us. Our diet is exhausting us. Kids yeah. are exhausting. I mean, like the fact that people are willing to sign up and say, Joel, with your church, I'm willing to give you a little bit of time and a little bit of energy. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't take that lightly. And so for me as a leader, the best thing I could do is try and make myself the best possible leader that I can for those willing to make the investment. Yeah. And so I'm just really, really driving in on that. And as a leader, I have to do my part to make sure I get out of the way yeah. for people to accelerate in their growth. Like, like as a leader, you got to raise the lid, man. You got to raise the lid so that people can have room to grow into the fullness of their potential. Uh, I know a lot of insecure leaders that they have to hog the spotlight. Yeah. Like they have to hog the spotlight. And when they're doing that, they're becoming a bottleneck for the people that they support and they are stifling and getting away of their own growth. So it's like leadership for me is really a, a real central meditation right now. Like how can I be the best possible leader? Yeah. You know, and push those around you forward. And yes. if you're not developing your team, you know, if you're leading 20, your goal should be to grow to where you're growing to new heights and they're growing with you or they're, they're yes. getting their own teams they're, Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And maybe they don't want to do leadership, but you know, yeah. absolutely. Um, get, you know, you only get your skills better by helping others grow in their leadership skills. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. I was talking to one of my coworkers or one of the people that report to me at work and I was saying, I said, Hey, listen, you know, I'm a director right now. I'm at director level in my company. I would love to be at a vice president. But for me to be a vice president, you've got to become a director, you know? And so it's like, like, like I'm not going to get there without you. And so I need to, I need to push you as far as you want to go, Yeah. you know? And some people don't, some people like to be individual contributors. Yeah. Not everyone's called to be a leader. Not everyone's called to be a manager. And that's fine. Like we, we still need people to do jobs and do individual contribution, like some people just want to do their work, cut a check, and then live their life, and that's fine. I'm yeah. good with it. But for those that want to step into a place of leadership, I'm like, listen, I can't get to where I'm going unless you get going where you're yeah. supposed to go. You know, like we need each other. You know? Yep. I think for the kingdom, it's a little different. I think you may not be leading at the front of a church or leading a ministry, but I think every believer is called to get to a place of leadership where they're leading their environment, where they're leading their family, where they're leading they're leading by example, almost like we're not called to be the followers. We're not called to be the, the, you know, we're called to be the head. We're called to be the forefront. Yes. So, you know, there are many people that may not take on a leadership position or title, but they are to grow in the, you know, following the Holy Spirit. They're leading by following, yes. following peace, following the Holy Spirit. And in that, they are leaders of their environment. And where you know, when you walk in a room, they bring peace. They bring the kingdom of heaven. They bring love and joy. Um, that's powerful. I just I can't get that song out of my head. You've probably seen my reels. Hello, peace. Hello, love. That song is awesome. Fear is not my. I love that song. I got to figure out what we're allowed to do on Spotify because I think we can play stuff on Spotify. Yeah. But if we put it on YouTube and we put it other places. Yeah. There's yeah. this new guy that I found. I think he's based in Tampa. I want to get him on my podcast. Like, I've got to connect with him. He might be so big that he has a team, but I'll reach out. Have you seen the reels I put? It's like, um, it's so powerful, this guy's stuff. It's crazy. I just can't stop spend, uh, playing it. Zonti, Jesus yeah. called my name. God taught me. And I, I all my reels and all my... Um, my stories right now have that. And it's like when people ask me how I did it, 
I say, God taught me. But he's like, dude, he's got 200,000 followers. Like, he's, he's from Tampa. He, it's powerful. He's, it's like Christian rap and pop. And the song, Jesus Called My Name, I'm like, dude, I can't, I'm listening to it over and over and over. And I'm like, the influence people have with, you know, all these reels and all these social media, I'm just, re- I'm learning it. I'm so bad at that stuff. So I'm starting to link all these Christian songs. This is where this came up. I've been doing that. Yeah. Fear is not my... Yeah. Um, you know, love is God is like, I've been playing that song on all my videos now because we don't need to put trash out there. We can literally just put videos of my chickens and of my dog and whatever with Christian songs and fill the atmosphere. Cause they go far yeah. reels and stories and I'm learning as I go, but it's fun. And it's that good. Zanti guy, man, I got to connect him. He's that song's powerful. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you it, but, um, I yeah. love it. It's cool yeah. stuff. The, there's a, uh... There's something definitely to be said about um, influence and influencers, right? Like the second, funny, the second law of leadership is the law of influence. Ah. So the first law of leadership in this book is the law of the live. The second law is the law of influence. And leadership is influence. Is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Yep. Leadership is influence. And the way you gain influence is by providing value. Mm. And... I want to I want to touch on what you said about Christians being leaders. Like, I want to talk about that in a second. But the way you gain influence in in uh, in a boardroom, in a prayer room, the way you gain influence in you still with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Boardroom, prayer room. The way you gain influence is if you provide value. Mm. And value, like I looked, I was like, okay, it's it is that simple. But I had to look up what the word value. Like I was like, let me just relook mm. up the word value. And the word value, according to the dictionary, is something of high worth or high importance. Mm. So if you can provide something to someone that is high as of high importance to them, you, you have now provided value. And mm. if you provide value, you have now gained the ability to influence. Yeah. And this is leadership. This is leadership. I want to talk to you a bit about what you said about Christians, like maybe we're not called like, so maybe not many of us are called to be like leaders in the limelight or leaders in the Mm -hmm. current systems of the world, but all of us are destined to rule and reign with Jesus. Yeah. Right. All of us are destined to, and I'm glad you brought this up because the Bible says that John, this is, this will cook your noodle a little bit. (laughs) The Bible says that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets. This is the words of Yeshua, Jesus. Mm. He says, John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets, but even the least of the people in the kingdom of heaven are greater than John the Baptist. Mm. So he was talking about this differentiation that of the old covenant prophets, John the Baptist was the final one Mm. and he was the greatest of them. And yet the least in the new kingdom of the new covenant, the kingdom of the new covenant, the least person is greater than John the Baptist. Mm. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, like, that's a huge thing. So that means yeah. anyone that just, like, said yes to Jesus, like, on a whim, you know? <laughs> like, they are now greater. They have a greater uh, potential than John the Baptist. Yeah. They are now greater, according to the kingdom, like, according to Jesus, than John the Baptist. And so it's like, wow, like, we truly have the, the, the whether we are leading um, in obvious ways or not, we're truly called to rule and reign with Christ in every area. Even if that means like our own home, you know, even if that means like our kids, even if that means like our dogs and cats, even if that, you know what I mean? Like whatever, like whatever it is that we have 
um, you know, some kind of influence over. We're called to rule and reign with mm-hmm. Christ in submission to his leadership in this earth. And so yep. it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Yep. I like it. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, John Maxwell is one of the greatest leadership authors. But uh, YWAM has a couple, you know, really well-renowned and well-respected authors that write on leadership. And Floyd McClung is one, and Tom Marshall is one of the guys that did a lot of stuff he got stuff from. And their stuff is powerful, but it's kingdom-based. And I think one of them, I know John Maxwell's referred to one of them or knows one of them. I think he knows John Marshall. But um, it's powerful stuff, and it's all on that perspective of leading by example leading by servant leadership and how that works in the world and it's powerful stuff because yeah we have this idea of leaders always being those charismatic men at the front you know sometimes leaders telling people what to do but um a lot of times the leaders that we really should be following are the ones that are doing the work and because they're doing the stuff now we are going to join them in the stuff right for the kingdom we're going to you don't want to follow someone that says you know do as i say not as i do no when it comes to the kingdom and anything really you want to be with do what i'm doing and i'm and i'm succeeding and i'm flourishing and i'm i'm doing a great job and i know it and i'm only leading people where i'm going or where i'm willing to go um i remember when i used to manage restaurants it was like I could do it all, but it's not going to get done. I need my team to complete it. But trust me, if I'm asking you to clean the women's room, which was always the dirtiest in restaurants and not the men's, it's always the women's. Everyone knows that if you worked in restaurants. Um, but I was willing to go in and unclog the toilets and take a wet vac and suck up the bathroom that was filled of overflow of water and stuff, you know. And Like, I did all that stuff. But there's a time when I was now in management and I couldn't do everything. So I needed my team, but they saw, they knew I was willing to get my hands dirty. So then they were, you know, they'd jump in with me when the dumpster got overflowing and we had to pick up these bags. And, you know, this is all 25 years ago or something. But crazy. But, uh, okay, I love that you touched. It's lead by example. Yeah. Like, this is not hard, y'all. Like, this is not hard. Like, or you know what? It is hard. It's just not complicated. It's simple. It's hard, but it's simple. Lead by example. Like I, I, I'm glad you touched on that, man. Because you know we're we're our church is not even a year old. Like we still got another two months to go, a month and a half before we officially cross our year marker. And I had to be told by our senior leadership team that Joel, you probably need to stop serving in kids for a little while. (laughs) <laughs> it was about once every four to six weeks like I was serving in kids and because and, I'm like listen I'm not going to ask my people to do something I'm not willing right. to do myself you know and it's like that's that's not okay my only worry with that was you liked you know you want to promote and allow others to share and speak and give their first time giving a sermon and I'm like you need to be there to champion them and to hear it and not have to listen to it later that's what I was thinking I know the first time I spoke I was like because God's building another message in me now I'm working on something and I was like I want you to be there because the first one you missed it and I was like you know it's almost like your dad or your you know, yes. somebody, cause you're yeah. the leader and it's like, you want you to be there to hear it. Yeah. So I, you know, yes. that's how I felt last year when, uh, when I spoke my but, first one. So, it's um, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Caleb who like, you want to talk about leader, like, you know, the resting place, right. Uh, I, I lead the resting place Carolwood, but the resting place family, uh, the four campuses, you know, is led by this person, you know, obviously Caleb, Scott, Tracy, but 
but Caleb really was the one that pioneered this, and yeah. he's the best leader I've ever met. He's the best leader I've ever met, and he's I think he's, he's young, right? He's like he's young. He knows his gifts and talents. He knows how to bring others alongside of him, and he knows what he's called to do. So he's not trying to do things that he's not called to do. Yes. And that's what's great about it. Um, and very gifted and wise for his age. Yeah, I, we had him on a couple of weeks ago, and it's powerful. We had some really good conversations. And it was. But awesome. an insecure leader, an insecure leader will try to be like everything. Mm-hmm. They'll try to do everything. And they'll try to control everything. And they'll try to control. This is what I'm yeah. talking about. Like the difference between control and influence, right? Influence right. you give you give way for people to be to work out of their inspiration. Yeah. You know, control you you almost like choke the potential out of a person. Right. And this is why like I'm like listen, the first place we want to practice leadership is our marriages, man. Mm. Like one of the things I've just been here like hearing a statement in my mind over and over again is that Brianna owes me nothing. Mm. And I, I don't know if it's God just reminding wow. me. <laughs> Like, Joelle, like, you are in charge of your vow. You're not in charge of her vows. Mm, Yeah. You know, like, you're in charge of you. She's in charge of her. She owes you nothing. You know, and the Lord is reminding me. She's like, or the Lord is telling me, he's like, Brianna's accountable to me for her to fulfill her vows to you. She's, she's, you know what I mean? And so it's like, oh, my gosh, like. Yeah, I've just been hearing this over and over again. I am owed nothing. Like right. I am owed nothing by anyone. No one owes me right. anything. And it's like this. Oh my gosh! Like, wow! I really can't control anyone. Like nobody owes me anything. I'm not entitled to anybody. To anything. Right. And so it's like, wow! This is truly the only thing that I need to be busy controlling is myself. Yeah. Is myself. And if I can just work on that, man. If I could just be busy controlling me, and let everyone, and then inspiring others. Yeah. Um, I'm going to lead a lot quieter, simpler life, man. Like, I don't like, like, you know, I, you know, it's funny, Thomas, but a lot of people see me at church. I'm very charismatic, whatever. I'm actually a pretty quiet person when I'm at home. When I'm at home, I'm pretty even keel. Just Yeah, because you're very high. You're like a exhorter slash prophetic. Yeah. And then you're, so you have, I remember seeing that other test you put up. You're very middle on those things as well. So you can easily yeah. go back in. You wouldn't expect you to be introverted, but you have some introverted tendencies. I do. Um, I do. Which is funny. And I think we're flipped. I'm the, I'm the, the ex- my redemptive gifts are, I think, prophetic exhorter. And you're exhorter prophetic, I think. But um, all those things can get confusing. But uh, I've always been more of the outward but I'm learning with the growth and maturing to be more internal with my Lord, with the conversations with the Lord and with, instead of having to process out loud. And I definitely need to journal more. I used to journal way more, but I'm learning this journey at 41 to do some of the things I didn't do when I was younger. And it's like, Oh, it's different. It's, you know, not everybody has to hear what I would have said in that situation. Sometimes I can be like, oh, I don't need to say that. <laughs> I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a maturity that's happening right before your eyes. <laughs> so, so here's a question for you. Uh, uh, when's the last time you feel like God spoke to you about something? And, and what was it? Like, what's, what's something that's on a recent, hmm. a recent personal thing that he's speaking to you? So if it's, sometimes it's, I think maybe not personal first that came to mind when you asked the question, but love when you hear something and you know you're sensing something. And then like one example was 
during worship at the Jesus Lab a couple of Tuesday nights ago. I, it was might have been a month ago. I really felt strongly something, but then I just am learning and you know going through this with Tracy and going to the activates and practicing all this. It's like I don't need to say it right away, right? And Heather was on stage worshiping, and Tracy got up and shared this thing, and it was literally like exactly what God was speaking to me about, like in my heart. I was like, I don't need to say it. I was just tapping into the spirit, what was happening in the room. I was sensing it and feeling it, but I didn't have to be the one to say it because Heather and Tracy together said exactly what I would have said. And it was powerful for me to realize sometimes I'm just tapping in to what's going on in the environment. And, you know, it was just another confirmation because sometimes you know you hear God, you sense him. And that was something that was powerful that I didn't have to say it. Um, you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was cool. And, yeah, it was actually, it was good. Um, for myself, I think there's a few things he's starting to, I feel like, to be honest, um, at the beginning of Jesus Lab, everybody got baptized, and we were out of town, so I didn't get to get baptized. And I got baptized maybe a couple months ago um, at uh, First Friday Worship. And it was powerful. And I didn't even remember half of it until I saw a video. I think Zoe was touching my hair. Caleb prayed for me. I think Jimmy was holding my head up. And I was just like whacked in the pool. Like just, whoa. <laughs> and um, I'm going to be honest, it stirred up a lot of stuff. And I think that's what happens at the beginning for the students. They get something gets zapped. The Holy Spirit zaps them. And throughout the rest of the weeks, they go through, you know, nine, ten months of responding to God each week. And so for me, I, it really stirred some stuff up. And I'd say March until now, I've sort of had this internal struggle of I'm not quite sure, you know, what God's putting his finger on. But so, yeah, there's definitely something he's he's still touching. And I'm like, okay. I thought I was, because I, I was calmer. I was more at peace. I noticed things. Everybody else noticed a change in me. And then here it comes. <laughs> it's like, but I think, on the podcast with Caleb, that's what we talked about. It's like, I can go through this journey now, recognizing that it's not this linear process of you achieving this ultimate goal of being the super Christian. It's, it's this journey of being right already and in Christ being perfect and whole. We're not becoming more holy. We're gaining a greater understanding of Christ's holiness in us. Yeah. And so I, what I said to Caleb, and that's when he said that, he goes, yeah, you're not getting any more holy. You're getting a greater revelation of Christ. And I'm like, yeah. And he said that because I said, I feel like I'm able to go through this maturing process now, confident in my identity, that it's no longer, like if there's an area in your life that you need to work on or lay down, or as Pastor Chuck Amon said that, you know, this year is a year of God decluttering and really helping us take away things that are keeping us from intimacy with God. We can go through that process without feeling inept or, or like less than because we have an area we're struggling with no we're already perfect in his sight he loves us with the love and he separated the sin as far as the east is from the west so that's where i'm at now it's like hey there's still things maybe old hurts maybe some things he wants me to let go of or, or release but it's coming from a place of confidence and sonship and not that because you have an area or even an area of a, a behavior problem or a sin issue those things they don't disqualify you from your sonship, from your place in Christ. They don't disqualify you from the Father's love. And why does it take so long for some people to get that? I don't know, but that's a beautiful place to be in, to, to get yes. the Brendan Manning message. We talked about this episode yes. five. It's, 
it's a new thing for me. And so I don't think we should ever stop growing and responding to the Lord. The, the message that I gave at church was about that place of pain. That the Lord asks us, search me and know, is there any place of pain? And that word pain is an idol or a sorrow. We're, that's how King David lived his life. And just because we have the finished works of the cross, just because we're whole in Christ, doesn't mean he doesn't want our physical lives to match up with him and to to let go of any hurts or pains or idols or things that are in the way of him. So I guess that's kind of what I'm sensing. There's something coming. <laughs> but I want to I want to kind of like kind of circle back to what we talked about in the beginning. You know, in the in the revelation of grace and the righteousness of God mm. and the fact that our righteousness is now done. Yeah. It's a gift received by faith. Right. So then the real question is now, okay, well, what's the right or wrong way to do something mm. now that I'm 100% righteous? Now that, now that my eternal punishment of sin has been handled on the cross, I'm no longer going to hell by faith in Jesus. Mm. What's the right way to live this life? Yeah. And that question is what spurred the answer for God's divine purpose. Yeah. And God's nice. divine purposes. Like, take the pass-fail system out of the equation. Yeah. Take the righteous, wicked... I, I'm not saying take it out of the equation, because right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bold enough to say such words. But what <laughs> I am, you know, what I'm willing to say is that if you look beyond that, and you look at everything beyond a pass-fail system, which essentially Jesus fulfilled... Because mm. now we've all passed, we yep. all have an A plus that Jesus put on our paper for us, you know? Yep. How do we approach life correctly? Yeah. How do we approach sex correctly? How do we approach money correctly? Mm. How do we approach time correctly? It's God's divine purposes. He has a yeah. purpose. So this is where I realized purpose is supreme. Mm. Purpose is supreme. And it's it's my it's my, I feel like it's my really, um, I don't want to say my burden, but it's my objective. It's my, a very solemn objective that I'm working on right now to explore the divine purposes of God for all things. That's awesome. Like all things. And, and, and I believe that wisdom and purpose go together. You know, like this is the other thing too about wisdom. So I'm, you know, you got some people that have like life messages, you know, a life message, you know, if you if you ever follow like um, Mike Bickle, you know, he's got some life messages around Songs of Solomon. Mm. He's got some life messages around the fasted lifestyle. He's got some life messages around the Book of Revelation. You know, yeah. And I, you know, you know, you you follow Bill Johnson. He's got life messages around the goodness of God. Mm. He's got life messages, you know, around heaven on earth when heaven invades the earth. You know. These are life messages for some people. And I feel like I, I'm, I'm kind of young, so I don't know if I have found my life message yet, mm. you know, or at least one of them. But I believe the beginning of identifying one is um, the importance of wisdom. Mm. Just wisdom. Like, I, I just, there's just something about the message of wisdom. Like, my favorite book of all time is still Ecclesiastes. And it's not just my favorite book in the Bible. It's my favorite book. Wow. You know, what I love about Ecclesiastes is Ecclesiastes, you know, I, I live in a very noisy life and I'm not alone in this. Like, mm. 
you know, you scroll through social media and you get like a thousand different messages a day. It's like hearing a thousand micro sermons. Uh, some of this is doctrine of demons. Some of this is incorrect theology. Some mm. of this is just people's touting their ego. Like I live a, and then I got, I get like over a hundred plus emails a day and I get, you know, pings on my t t Microsoft teams and I get all this, just all this stuff, all this noise. Yeah. And I just love that. Like Solomon, every time I go and sit and have, and have a coffee date with King Solomon, and the book of Ecclesiastes, he reminds me it's all meaningless, man. Yeah. It's all vanity. And there's like, a time for everything. There's a time for everything. He's like, don't don't sweat this stuff. This everything you're right here, this is chasing the wind. Yeah. What what's mo what's most important in this life, the things that are truly supreme, is enjoying food with those you love. Mm. Right? Honoring God and doing work worth doing. Like those are the divine supreme things. And so then if I take that and I apply that to my day, my Monday through Tuesday through, you know, Wednesday through trash on Thursdays, like when trash pickup on Thursdays and take out the dog before bedtime. And, you know, if I apply those things to my day, I, I just make it through my day a little bit better. Where I'm like, man, you know what? Like a lot of this stuff's just noise. I don't need to be concerned with. Mm. Although it's just like, it's just like, I'm just so grateful. Like for me, it's just so, gr I'm just so grateful that there is a truth that helps me cut through the noise. So not everything has to be important. Yes. Yeah. You know, this, this reminds me of that quote. I think the first quote I copied from you and put on Facebook, we, I asked you about it today at lunch. It's something about if, if yes. thing, you know what I'm talking about? All right. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> I got to get better at remembering them because I'm a concept guy. So I remember the concept and I no, got to get better at one. the word. This is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. When, when God is first place in your life, you can enjoy things without abusing them. Yeah. And so that concept to me is so important because what we should be doing and maturing in as believers is recognizing because it reminds me of Floyd McClung's book, The Holiness and the Spirit of the Age, where 40, 50 years ago, he described this Western American culture, Western culture, how so many of the things we do, and he's talking about network television back then, just the things we fill up our lives with that really keep us from intimacy with the Lord by, by having all these extra noise and all this stuff. He had no idea about what was coming, right? Um, and it's like, like you said, if, if Jesus is first, you can enjoy and do all of these things, yes. but should we not be recognizing the clutter that Chuck is saying this yeah. year, there's a special, uh, there's a special season right now that God's allowing us to, I, I always equate it to Hosea where he, he lets us go off into the briars and into the desert and he hedges us in to where the things no longer feel good. The thing, and have you ever noticed that? Have you, I've had that many times, but we're like, yes. you just can't find a TV show to watch. Like nothing oh. is, it's like nothing is fulfilling you. And you're like, I'm just going to yes. pick up this book. I'm just going to pick up the Bible. Be I've had it where it's like, you've been in a season. Maybe you were sick or when I I'd watched a million movies when I finally was awake during COVID and I felt good enough to open my iPad. Really, I just slept for three or four days. But after that, you know, you, I, I, my work gave me a good amount of time off, started watching a lot of TV. And I'm like, I, you know, your mind is numb. You're literally just wasting your time. We've all done it yes. now um, yes. with the binge watching and everything. And it's like yes. when crisis first, you can enjoy a show. You can avoid a video game. Like I don't mess with video yes. games because 
that's not my thing and I do have a very obsessive like all or nothing kind of personality I just don't yes. play them um because it's not my thing but I can tell if I I would have like Joe Rogan talks about that like he you know he doesn't do it either because he would obsess and play play him and you recognize like that's not a good use of my time if you're some people have like they got like toilets and bags to sit on and play for days. Like that blows my mind. That's even possible. And people do that stuff. Yeah. Like that's obsession. You know what I mean? But yes. so my point is as believers, we can grow in saying, look, like we're not going to be judgy and say, you're wrong for doing this and you're wrong for doing that. But yeah. can I look at myself and say, God, what am I putting in front of you? Where is Jesus not Lord? Yes. And that's yes. what I'm getting at. When you say that to me, that makes me reverse it and think, where am I not able to do these things? Because yes. I haven't put Jesus first in those areas. Yes. Listen, if I don't spend enough time in prayer, everyone makes me angry. <laughs> okay? If I don't spend enough time in prayer, everything that I normally enjoy immediately becomes disappointing. Mm. If I don't spend enough time in the Word of God, or if I haven't had a good cry mm. before the Lord, like, nothing is fun. Mm. I'm just saying people like, annoy you, annoy you yeah, much easier. People, <laughs> I, I, I play video games sometimes. I'll be playing video games and I'm just like angry because I'm like, this isn't it. This isn't scratching the itch inside, you know? And, and I love Ecclesiastes. It says, who can enjoy anything apart from you? Mm, yeah. That's you can't powerful. enjoy anything. Like, bro, like lobster without the Lord tastes like soap. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, like steak without the Lord just gives you heartburn. It's mm. like, with like, without the Lord, we can't really enjoy anything. I like how you, you were talking about, you know, pursuing and, you know, wh what is the purpose for, for sex and intercourse. And, yeah. you know, a lot of Christians, you know, they called Rob Bell a heretic and didn't like him for the things he said. But his, his idea on everything is spiritual and the concept yes. Hebraically and, and I guess from the Greek, you know, God didn't separate those things. Everything is spiritual and we know yes. that sex is designed for intimacy with God and man. And <sighs> so that's something like me and Tara have talked about that, like, you know, put on a nice sweet music. And it's like one time it was like a favorite worship song. And she's like, this is weird. I'm like, I was like, but it shouldn't be, it should no. be it okay. Yes. You know, like, you know, everyone knows what your your favorite. If they go on your Spotify, they'll see one song that's played a lot, and it's like, uh, "What's hey, that for?" But it's um, played at like ten o'clock at night, <laughs> nine thirty p.m. after the kids go to bed. Yeah, you know? but it, so the the talk, point with that was, yeah, Rob Bell had talked about all that years ago, yeah. and I know he has some different beliefs that people don't like, and dude doesn't discontinue his pursuit of truth in the original languages of the Bible and the yeah. concept that you know Hebraically. God doesn't separate. Everything is spiritual. And we in the Western culture, yes. we separate it. And that's something I think it's, it takes years to break that mentality of separating, you know, things into different boxes. Because if we lived our life that, Hey, everything I do, I can do unto the Lord Ecclesiastes and it's, it's spiritual. And yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know, the answer to that is wholeness, mm. unity, unity within mm. like we're, you know, like this lie that we're detached within ourselves. It's a lie. So like the answer is believing that we've been made whole and yeah. everything is physical soul and spirit, like mm. everything. Yeah. Right. And so 
Um, and my, my pendulum can swing yeah. by which how I'm experiencing something. I can experience a physical thing deeply in my spirit. I can spirit I can experience a spiritual thing deeply within my body, like mm. wholeness and unity within, right? Unity within my person. Yeah. And so with Brianna, there's been times she's probably gonna kill me for this, but it, you know, I'll pay for it later, right? But with Brianna, like we have experienced a, a beautiful spectrum in our sexuality. And one of the things that God talked to me about sexuality with Brianna, and I'm a, I'm coming with I'm coming to church with this soon, right? I, I'm laying down the groundwork on marriage, but um, is that number one? Like one of the first things that I realized, uh, began to experience with Brianna in our sexuality, was that we can experience a full spectrum of enjoyment. It could be very like more physical, right? And more physical in its purpose, and more physical in its use, and 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 that's fine. But it could also be very spiritual. And we have this beautiful spectrum that our sexuality can, can you know, there's, it's not hindered. The, the, the pendulum can swing freely. And one of the things that we've experienced before, like we've put on like Kimberly Arbeto. Arbeto I love Kimberly them. They're yeah, my favorite. We have put on soaking music and made love within holy matrimony and have experienced the presence of God together. Wow. Yeah. And so we have, we have had moments where the divide between us almost feels like it disappears. Where it's mm. almost like I don't know where I end and where she begins mm. in our spirit. Like we feel this in our soul. Mm. And so like, um, you know, this thing that the world unfortunately only enjoys at a carnal level. Mm, the arrows. The, the right. They're only awesome. enjoying it at skin deep level. Mm. I, like I and my wife have the ability to enjoy the full spectrum of it because it's holy unto the Lord. So we have the license to enjoy it within our soul and within our spirit, right? Within our spirit. And so it's like, man, because God is first and we, we decided to honor God by getting married, we now can enjoy sex without abusing it. We now can enjoy sex in the way God designed it. Yeah. And my friend, like, it's wonderful, <laughs> you know? And you so, know, they always ask when I, I think it's for YouTube. It's like, is this for kids? And I always click no, but this one, it's like, no, 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 But why, like, why am I saying this? Because yeah. sex is actually a divine example. Yeah. It's a whole, like, you know, you had types and shadows in the Old Testament of like an example of Yeshua or an example of Jesus. Well, fast forward to the book of Romans. It says in the book of Romans chapter one that the invisible attributes of God have been revealed throughout creation. Mm. The invisible attributes of God have been revealed throughout creation. So God, one of the ways that God displays himself in creation is through holy matrimony between a, ma a man and a woman. The man, usually the pursuer, right? The initiator of intimacy. The woman, usually the responder, the responder of intimacy. When the two become one, there's now no longer a divide. Mm. Folks, this is actually like... This whole sex thing is actually an example of how Jesus is pursuing us mm. and we are responding to him. Like there is a divine response to the it's Lord. It's funny how people always get, you know, they, again, it's just what you're brought up with or what, you know, you, you have to have a paradigm for these ideas. And I remember being on a, in China at this big church in, in Beijing and um, the one of the worship leaders, I think it's, was it, it, it was, it was, I think Andy Percy 
wrote some of the songs for Matt Redman or something like that. So that was the connection. And he has the same accent. And it was great. And during one of his events, there was time for people to share or speak. And this woman got up and talked about how she had these, you know, deeply romantic encounters with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and everyone, (laughs) they just, they couldn't, they couldn't handle it. You know, it was like, it was like, I guess from dancing with him, but in her head thinking she was kissing God, I don't know. But the reality was it was like this woman's beautiful understanding of how much God loves her. And I think she was a single woman in her middle ages and just how powerful God was to her as her lover. And that he fulfilled the need deep within her when she was a single woman. And I was like, we judge that, but that's her truth. And she, you know, she, she understands. And and I don't say that as in there's different truths. I'm saying that is in at a deep core level, she understood that God fulfilled her desires and needs. So romantically he wooed her and she had encounters with the living God that the average person's brain was like, this is weird. (laughs) yeah, listen. If you if you think God is taboo on intimacy, then go ahead and take the Book of Songs, <laughs> rip it out of your Bible. All right, just rip it out of your Bible, okay? Because yeah. that is like ancient erotica. All right, yeah. like you know, but like, but it, it is the divine. Every li- every line of the Book of a Song of Solomon is actually a divine representation yeah. of b- Christ and the bride. And their desire for one another, yeah. and their intimacy, their consumption of one another, their enjoyment and delight of one another. Like, sorry, y'all. Like, what? What? This is the problem, and this is part of the reason why I started a church mostly out of blind, blind frustration. Let's be honest here. I was just so frustrated of a lack of true um, education in the Word of God in the land. Like, I was just so done with churches being scared of like, ooh, that's taboo. Stop it. Like. There is a generation that is bored with our tame messages. Mm. They are bored. And you know what? They're running to interesting sounding lies because we're afraid of speaking taboo truth. Yeah. And enough is enough. And so this is why I'm like, like, whatever. Like, whoever comes to our church, like, I, I welcome all people. Please, everyone. I'm not turning anyone away. But... You know, like I'm, I'm not gonna shy away from the taboo. Anyways, right. That being said, it's like, like part of the reason why we have used sex incorrectly of its purposes is because the church is not teaching on the divine purposes mm. of God when it comes to sex. Yeah. Okay. And so one of the things that like is another one when it comes to the divine purposes of God is sex is interdependency. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Okay. So. This is going to frustrate some people, and I'm sorry, Thomas. I'm not trying to hurt your following, but it is what it is. One of the things that God told me about my sexuality with my wife was he said, you know, Joelle, I want you to grow to become more sexually dependent on Brianna and less sexually independent. Well, that's that's kind of a tall order these days because these days, like, there are, like, the world is making robots for sex. Mm. The world is making, like, anything you can want and right. order, you can just create your own independent sexual experience. Right. However, the divine purpose of this is to create a holy dependency on one another. Right. 
and it's and it's pump. geared towards intimacy and ai can never meet that they make movies Bingo. about it how i mean it's Bingo. it's not real it's, it's i mean it, it can seem TV. intimate to a deranged mind but yes. the truth is that yes. ai can never replace a human giving themselves to you right because at the end of the day love is a choice right and in our union, we celebrate the fact that you chose me mm. and I chose you and you still choose me and I still choose you. Mm. Yeah. It is this voluntary weakness where love is found. This yeah. voluntary dependency, like choosing to not try to do it all on my own, but choosing. If you understand the seven levels of intimacy, by the way, there's actually seven levels of intimacy. Talks. Mm. The first is like cliches and then you have facts and then you have um uh, facts and then you have opinions and then you have like all the way down the deepest the deepest uh form of intimacy thomas is revealing genuine need mm. that is the deepest form of intimacy when i am exposing myself to the degree where i'm like hey i need you mm. you are now at the core of my being and i think that's something that like i've always related to god where it was based on you know, when I was good and hadn't sinned and felt good, I was relating to him. And when I'd done bad, I wasn't. And it's like learning and maturing to say when you're not doing well emotionally or physically or you've done, quote unquote, a sin, like that's when we need to let God know we need him. You know what I mean? Like it's in our orphan spirit brain and, you know, pre pre maturity, you don't know how because you relate to God based on behavior. But we, we talked about that at the beginning. We have to throw that away. The body has to mature past that. We talked about it on our first podcast. Like, we've got to get past the idea of, you know, just going to heaven. It's like, no, we're so far beyond that. It, not only is it about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, it's literally just about we, we aren't worried about where we're going when we die. We, like, I, Andrew Womack talks about that. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to heaven smelling like I live life in hell. You know what I mean? Like, you want to live your life now to the fullest and that, get that Zoe life, get that whole life, get that full life. Um, that's, that's the difference. I guess some people get it much younger. Some people get it much earlier. You're, you're much younger than I am, but I had all this intellectual knowledge and it's just, again, God told me very clearly last year was the year of things coming together. And it really was, it's like all these things. And the beautiful thing is God's always got multiple plans, right? So what took me 20 years of inner healing and deliverance, he told me I went through some hardcore demonic deliverance multiple times. And he just, I mean, it was painful. I remember one specific time in, in Beijing in 2007 or eight, and it was really bad. It was really painful. And um, it, it was like, he just told me it's training. Like it didn't have to be that way. And I certainly have learned much better ways to walk out truth and replacing lies and just seeing the spirits that want to bring confusion and oppression um, just pop. They just go away because they have no right to be there yes. anymore. Yes. But I went through some of that movie stuff that was like, wow, like it was crazy. And um, it was training, right? And so sure, 20 years of a lot of growth and healing. But now when Tara and I's marriage, you know, if we weren't believers and we didn't, we both don't believe in divorce, we probably would have been divorced from two or three years into our marriage with all the pain and heartache and fights. Yeah. But the beautiful thing is we've been prophesied that we're going to help heal people's marriages why because we've walked this journey with the lord and we're not you know done yet we're growing in our intimacy right. we're growing in things but yeah i just look at it two ways what the devil means for evil the lord's going to redeem it and use it and it's a training it's just training ground 
You know, it's training yes. wheels to, again, if, if the whole earth premise is to grow us and mature us for our ruling and reigning with Christ, especially for um, Kevin Bennett was talking about the millennial reign and stuff. And I'm like, that's all the stuff you just don't want to think about. But reality is, if this life is to train us for that and then the realities of the spiritual, you know, because sometimes we translate everything as angels. There's literally heavenly beings and creatures that don't have to be angels that we're ruling and reigning with God over all yes. of this stuff. Like it's, yes. it's crazy, you know. Like, yes. So. And you know, I love I love what Jesus said after he finished feeding the five thousand men, which could have been closer to like twenty thousand people, right? Yeah. Um. Fifteen, twenty, whatever, you know. Um. You know, it says there was basket le- baskets left over. And it was in that passage where Jesus says, you know, make sure you save everything. Let nothing be wasted or let mm. nothing go to waste. And when Jesus said that statement, I, I just keep going back to that statement and I apply it way out of context. <laughs> like I apply it everywhere else in my life. Like I know that he was specifically talking about the food not going to waste, you know, which like, you know, my grandma and anyone who cooked me food growing up, they're like, don't waste this food. You know, like that's, that's the proper context. But like, I feel like the, the, the words of Jesus are multi-dimensional yeah. and so like they're they can be they could be absorbed in different areas in different ways and so um let nothing go to waste i just feel like god for you thomas like you've been through you've been through like you've experienced god in different continents on the planet you know you you've been to different kinds of churches you've you've followed different streams and i feel like none of it will be wasted because mm. jesus declares let nothing go to waste yeah you know, so God's going to use it all, you know, and so uh, I love that you mentioned about, you know, your your marriage being used to heal like other marriages. Like I I'm so about this. Like I recently posted on Facebook, like if a man doesn't treat his wife correctly, I don't want to hear him talk about Christianity. Yeah. And that was a quote from D.L. Moody. Like and, and for the listeners out there, when me and Thomas get together for coffee, I always ask him how his marriage is doing. And I ask this. How's Tara? How's how's, Tara doing? Right? How's Tara doing? You know, like, I always ask this question to anyone, to any man that I meet with. Mm. Like, I just feel like, like, I'm like, guys, like, if we don't get this right, we ain't going to get nothing right. Like, sure, you could do this great ministry thing and you could fill stadiums. And I'm cool with it. Like, fill as many stadiums as you want because everybody needs to hear the gospel. Yeah. But when when the lights go down and the sound is, the sound team has packed up the production. And everyone's gone home, and you get back into your car. Like, how you treat your wife on the drive home, or how you wake up the next morning and treat your kids. Like yeah. to me, that is the most important thing. Yeah. Like the great, the great stadiums yeah. and the stuff like that. That's super important. But to me, what's more important yeah. is the drive home and the morning after. Well, sometimes people take because God's God wants to see people healed and set free more than we do. So they take that as when they see a man of God that was, remember 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, it was all about the gifts. It wasn't the, the presence and the Holy Spirit. No, this is yeah. real. Like people had gifts yeah. and there was gifts and charismatic gifts and they were powerful. But oftentimes we would say, well, look, that man's so doing amazing stuff and millions saved in Africa and all this. But, you know, his life isn't in perfect or his fa- family's not perfect or they get divorced. And I'm sorry, we've got to stop that idea. Just because God, God's willing to use a donkey, just because God used someone doesn't mean it's a qualification or an affirmation of their life. Because if they're, 
marriage is breaking down, if their family is breaking down, if their kids are, you know, walking away from the Lord, the Bible's clear they should take time off. And I offended someone before uh, sharing what I felt the Lord told me to say yeah. something in private, in a message. But, you know, the person didn't want to take it, and that's fine. But that was something that came up to me because I've been on the missions field. I've lived with my parents. I've seen so many men and women of God. And thank God I've met amazing, humble, just countless amazing people. But I've also met many, many charismatic men that were not whole, that wreaked havoc in their path. Everywhere they went, broken churches, broken ministries, broken YWAM bases, whatever you want to call it. And God's never going to say, for him, the most important thing is the relationship between you and him, you and your wife, and you and your family. And everything else will come out of that. So just because God used you and uses this big famous person doesn't mean he's affirming their behavior or their lifestyle or their anything. Because again, the gifts are without repentance and God wants to see people healed and set free more than we do. So of course he'll use them. But that doesn't mean that he wouldn't rather them take a year off to go spend time with their family because unfortunately ministry wreaks havoc. And me and my friend, I'm going to have some of my more of my friends from growing up in the Wyoming base on. And I mean, if you look at a lot of the kids walk away from the Lord and yeah. a lot of them come back later, but we talk about it. Why are pastors and missionary kids so quick to leave the faith because they often didn't have a great healthy relationship with their own parents or their yes. father because especially men when they are out traveling the world doing all the stuff for the lord yes. and thank god my my dad was home most of the time he still traveled a little bit but um you know they were both there a lot and yeah. i had great parents had a great experience i don't know where the uh, where did my trauma come from maybe just being a third culture kid you know being bullied mm -hmm. Coming back to America at almost 14 was the most traumatic, I think, because you really didn't feel like you fit in anywhere because you're like, yeah. I'm not Dutch, I'm not American. Like, yeah. But somewhere in those time periods, I had a reaction, and I went into myself and defended myself, got in a lot of fights. You met me as an adult, very defensive. Couldn't handle anything that didn't, you know, if we didn't agree on, like, the same thing spiritually or politically, I couldn't handle it. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, come a long way. You have. You know, and I'm glad you talked about this, like needing like ministry, like the next ministry fix, you know, unstable. Listen to this very carefully. Okay. Unstable people will try to stabilize the chaos within with the affection of multiple shallow lovers. Mm. Unstable people will try to stabilize the chaos within with the attention or the affection of multiple shallow lovers. Yeah. Okay? Insecure people will try to stabilize themselves with the attention of multiple lovers. Okay? Yeah. And sometimes these lovers aren't exactly sensual or sexual. Sometimes it's just people feeding your own yeah. ego. Okay? So, like, this is why, like, the Lord... This is why the Lord like did not let me get into ministry until I spent four or five years as a single person, mm. not dating anyone and just coming to him and letting him be my lover, mm. letting him be the source of my affection, my attention, wow. my identity, letting Powerful. him stabilize me. Right. Because here's the thing. Now that I spent a season, you know, four years or so without dating anyone I was a young man. I just would just spend time with the Lord. Like I spent those four years, 
those were my stabilizing years. Well, those I remember when I would meet you and, you know, you would just be every waking moment. We'd be at the Codwells and you'd just be worshiping and hanging out with God in the soaking room. Yes. And, yeah, yes. I, I used to do a lot of yard work over there. And, yeah, you yes. would – you were never about the girls. You were always about just worship about and Lord. time with yes. the Lord. And yes. she would have on the IHOP 24-7 in the room yes. and just hanging out, soaking, conferences. And that's the stuff us. that you would see. Yeah. That's the stuff that you would see. What what was more so is what nobody saw. Right. It was just me and the Lord. And those those years of hours before God, like yep. easily a few hundred hours before the lord but if you were doing wow. that in your your group time to have fun was hanging out with people with god stuff you know? and then yes. go, go to conferences <laughs> yes, go to worship right. events go yes. to and then go out to eat and but it was yes. all wholesome yeah that yeah. has given me strength to not need everyone to accept me mm. that has given me strength to not need everyone to celebrate me like that right. has given me the strength to what what one of my favorite quotes if you live by their compliments you'll die by the criticisms mm. Like this has given me strength to be myself without the need of permission of others. And, uh, and, and, and that's it. Like the Lord is my strength and my shield. And so I just want to say like, you know, we, we probably should wrap this up, but I just want to say like for, for anyone out there that's in ministry, like, um, no one will, no one will fill in your tank the way Jesus can. Mm. I know a lot of people that like, you know, like they've got their, the love of their neighbor first as the filler of their tank and the mm. love of the Lord second. And I'm like, listen, like that can work temporarily, but in the long haul, like it has to be like yeah. the Lord is the first filler of your tank. If yeah. God is first in your life, you can then enjoy people right. without abusing them. Right. You can enjoy ministry without abusing it. You can enjoy. That's good. You know, you can enjoy times of rest. You can enjoy all of it. If God is first, you can yep. enjoy you can enjoy things without abusing them. That's good. Yeah, you still got some stuff to finish for work. So let's uh, just give us a little blessing, a little prayer, and uh, yeah. woo. And, and listen, Thomas, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, re re like replaying everything I shared tonight. Like, dang, I got a little, <laughs> I got a little honest on Thomas's podcast. So like. Hey. You need to edit a couple things, it's fine. <laughs> I can send you a copy. You can listen to it before there we post go. it in two weeks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let me just pray for you. Um, let me just pray for this time and, and anyone listening. Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you that uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Lord, thank you for Thomas. Thank you for my friend. Thank you for putting us together all those years ago and then keeping us together now. Lord, I just pray for this platform. I pray for our listeners and anyone who heard this message that it would be used to encourage, to edify, and to comfort. Because that, Lord, is, is in fact prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. And so I just bless you for everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you plan to do. We thank you, Holy God, for all the things yeah, you've given us. And I just bless you in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, and I just thank you for um, Pastor Joel and Brianna and family. Just thank you for his sacrifice and service, Lord, that he's putting you first so he can enjoy the things of life. I just thank you for um, this new season the church is going in, just growing in family and community. And um, Lord, I just thank you for everybody listening that you desire more than anything to have that intimate time with them, to know them as 
as Adam knew his wife Eve, that you literally desire our face. You desire our gaze, Lord. And we just thank you that you're patient, but you're there. You're there gazing upon us, waiting for us to return your gaze. You're not, you know, you're not waiting for us to change or do anything just to return your gaze and acknowledge you as our lover and our source. We just thank you for all you're doing across the world, drawing men back unto you, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. Powerful. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe to the Seeker of Truth podcast. And also visit our website, seekeroftruth.co, for more information about all of our guests and how you can hear more from them. I pray this conversation encouraged, uplifted, and inspired you to pursue truth at a deeper level.